Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. All right, hey everyone, that's Marcus, I'm Ben. Uh, Marcus, do you know I'm working on this little pilot? Of course. Regarding uh, Lawbreaker. It's called Lawbreaker, and I am breaking the laws. <laughs> anyway, there was one, there's a law in Haddon, New Jersey, where you, uh, where you, uh, it's illegal to cross-dress. It's weird that that's yeah. still a law. You can't do it. Not, no cross-dressing allowed. And I'll tell you, though, I did see quite a few of those guys in Haddon. I kind of agree with the law. <laughs> terrible, terrible legs on these guys. But uh, because of this uh, pilot that I'm working on, I had a great opportunity to interview a fellow named Zach Hayden, who is the legal director for the ACLU of Maine, and uh, he's a professor, and uh, he went to the University Maine School of Law, huh. which is very interesting. So I got to interview him, and uh, and this is the interview that we're going to be playing now. And uh, my first question was basically just where did these laws start from? Why are they in America? And, uh, and things like that. So... Uh, all right, well, this is me interviewing Zach Hayden. Enjoy. Well, you know, this is something we inherited from, from British. Uh, we, you know, there's a, a process when the United States was started of incorporating English law so that we weren't starting from scratch. And there were a number of laws, um, sumptuary laws, laws regarding dress that, that became a part of uh, the U.S. legal system uh, so- in, in the various colonies. So that was like was that what religion were they based on? Was that like Lutheran then? Well, there were there were Puritans. There were Puritan. the, the you know the Puritans that uh, and and a number of the nonconformist sects that founded some of the New England colonies. Right. Uh, really, you know, had some strong feelings about dress and propriety of dress. Uh, but then we, you know we think about the the modern era of this. Uh, a lot of the you know we've seen attacks on cross dressing and also. Uh, laws regarding uh, people wearing baggy pants. There's right. a new proposal in Oklahoma just just heard about today, uh, criminalizing you know, a town is attempting to you know, criminalize wearing baggy pants. In Oklahoma? How Oklahoma. bad is the baggy pants epidemic in Oklahoma where they think they need to have a law to legislate it? It's the thing that, like, you know, baggy pants never hurt anybody. Right. Uh, it's a war on Jinko jeans. I mean, for fashion police, sure, but real police? I don't know if you should be arrested for having bad taste or like an ICP. No, they really do want the, the real police to be the fashion police. That's uh, incredible. Right. But, but it's, it's the same, you know, the same phenomenon, I think, with uh, people who are gender nonconforming right. and people who wear baggy pants, that it's a way of criminalizing them as people by going after what they wear. And, I mean, what, what does that play into as far as, like, freedom of expression and freedom of speech and things like that? I mean, in what world do these people think that it's rational? I would assume in Oklahoma they probably all run with a Republican, uh, you know, logo by their names and they fancy themselves, like, you know, limited government and individual freedoms. They just kind of regurgitate all that uh, stuff, which in theory is amazing. But then on the, on the flip side of that, they also want to legislate what people wear to cover up their legs. 
so how do they validate those two completely polar opposite opinions? Well, it's easy to validate things when they're before the city council or even before a state legislature because the only validity you need is a majority vote. Right. Something's got a majority majority support. That's all that's the only question that's asked. Yeah. So it's all it's always up to us to challenge those laws, to go into court where a judge is going to demand a little bit more uh, justification. Right. And so how, how do you go about challenging those laws? Because obviously for this show, we're going there and it's a comedy show and it's lighthearted. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, we just kind of want to go shed a light on some of these more ridiculous laws. But, and hopefully it would be amazing if we could actually overturn some of these laws. But how would you go about doing it legally as opposed to just in a uh, comedic reality show way? Well, for First Amendment protections, for, for infringement on somebody's freedom of speech, it, the law is actually very protective. Yeah. I could challenge a law that violates my freedom of speech because I've been, for example, ticketed or charged with a crime right. because of doing something, maybe wearing baggy jeans or wearing a dress. Well, I can but tell, I, Zach, you have some baggy jeans on right now. I do. You can't. So, you know, it's out of the frame. Yeah. Who knows who's going to see this and what kind of trouble I might get into. <laughs> uh, but you can also challenge a law that violates your freedom of expression because it has a chilling effect. Right. The courts are willing to say, you know, even if I haven't been ticketed, if there's something I want to do and I have a right to do it mm-hmm. and it's a, an expressive activity, but I'm not doing it because of this law, it's, it's chilling my willingness to do it, I can go into court and ask for that law to be struck without it having char- been charged against me. So the chilling effect is just more, it's just, it's sort of like when, uh, you know, someone used to steal, uh, you know, when they put them in the stocks and everyone throws tomatoes at them. It's just like, this happens to you if you do this, so you probably shouldn't steal. Obviously, in this situation, these people are doing nothing wrong. Um, And so uh, what sort of chilling effect do you think these kinds of laws have on society. I mean, for example, in Haddon, again, you can't cross-dress. When we were down there, it did seem like more of a progressive town, and obviously this is an older law, but how do you think that that affected um, just the overall um, character of the community? Well, I think the law has a reach well beyond simply who it punishes. Right. Laws send a message. Mm -hmm. Laws tell people, tell the public at large what's allowed and what's valued. Uh, what's prohibited and what's worthy of condemnation. Right. So it doesn't have to be uh, that somebody gets an actual ticket, but the law itself teaches us uh, that, for example, you know, wearing non-gender conforming clothes is something that's a problem. Right. Uh, and that, so I think it does have a, a much broader uh, effect than simply the people that are caught and arrested, which may be nobody. Maybe there's never been anybody Right. who's been arrested for cross-dressing, the law still has a, is still a problem uh, because of the message that it sends. And obviously with this case in particular, it's like if you're a transgendered youth or you just want to cross-dress or, I mean, hell, if you just want to go and have some fun with your friends and you want to have your balls blown in the wind and you want to wear a dress some Wednesday night, who knows? Um, uh, where does this, as far as just like, um, where does it play in as far as like the high suicide rates with people who want to like you know be transgendered or people who don't feel comfortable in their body or just like you know anybody who wants to do something a little bit different? Where do these laws? Um, how do they really affect the lives of like kids who are possibly you know going through identity issues? 
these laws may seem innocuous. And often when we're challenging a law like, uh, you know, women have to wear dresses in at school dances, right. uh, people think, why are you wasting your time with that? Why is that right. such a big deal? It, it is a big deal because of the message that it sends to people who don't conform to traditional gender stereotypes. Right. Uh, those people are much more likely to commit suicide or attempt suicide, they're much more likely to be thrown out of their houses. Uh, it's, a very difficult, it's a very difficult life. Uh, and, and the law, instead of lifting those people up, in many cases, it's making their lives harder. We brought a case, uh, the ACLU brought a case in Mississippi a, a few years ago uh, of a, a young woman who wasn't going to be allowed in her school yearbook. Okay. Because well. she wore a tuxedo to pull, pose for her yearbook photo. And the school said that was not appropriate dress. This was, you know, an actual school rule that they they were not going to allow her in the school yearbook. I mean, was she just was she too fancy? In what <laughs> world is a tuxedo not appropriate too, dress? Too good, and they yeah. were. You know, there was not. Uh, she was going to show up everybody for how good she looked. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what? What's it? You know, totally one of those things where. A majority of somebody, you know, decided that that was an appropriate rule, and and who cares how this young woman felt uh, and what the effect it had on her or people like her? Uh, and it took a it took a challenge, a legal challenge, right. to you know force the school to admit that 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 law has no basis. Uh, it, it serves no purpose other than to harm people. Right. Uh, and ultimately, had to change it. I mean, especially nowadays, if I have a daughter. I will be very happy if she wears a tuxedo to prom as opposed to a twerking skirt. You know, as opposed to just like, I would be much more, com- you would think that conservatives would love nice. the idea of women being fully covered in a tuxedo with a bow tie. A nice modest, a nice, modest tuxedo, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is not the, major, the, the largest issue uh, with our youth today, wearing too fancy of tuxedo. Yeah. Do you think it, do you think it's a country as a whole? Because obviously you're on the front lines. You constantly hear uh, stories, and you're fighting lawsuits for people's you know uh, rights and things. Do you feel as a as a society as a whole? With you know, there's a huge resurgence with like the Tea Party and and uh, these sort of more conservative groups. Do you think that we're becoming more tolerant, or do you think that we're kind of slipping down the path of uh, of less tolerant? I think there's an emerging consensus about. That we have too many laws, yeah. too many stupid laws, that they're clogging up our legal system, that they're a real enormous resource drain to enforce. So, you know, I think that helps. I think that's a positive step. Now, whether we can reach agreement on what are the truly stupid laws, right? Uh, like, you know, I think it's a stupid law to say, you know, who people are allowed to fall in love with and get married to. Right. Uh, you know, can we get people to agree that that's a stupid use of government resources, picking and choosing who, what is an appropriate loving relationship? I don't know. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I am as well. I'm, I am very hopeful. And that's why I, I like this project so much, because obviously from, you know, liberals to libertarians, everyone agrees that that is like one of the largest issues in this country right now is just too many stupid laws. And I guess the major uh, problem then is everyone agrees there's too many stupid laws, but I guess the major problem is people have different opinions of what a dumb law is. And, That's right. And so some people think that not wearing, you know, if a man wears a dress, the whole, the whole population is done, and thank God for Lou Dobbs, there are people out there like that because, you know, he has a show and he needs to get those viewers up. 
Yeah, this, and this is something that the countervailing pressure to that is we have city councils and town councils and state legislatures and the U.S. Congress, and everybody gets elected to do something. Right. Uh, and then they get into office and they're like, well, we're going to have to we have to do something now. What can we do? Uh, I know what we can do that nobody's going to complain about. We can create some new crime. We can criminalize right. something. Uh, or we can enhance the criminal penalty for something that's already a crime. Yeah, tough on, tough on cross-dressers. It'll get you elected, you know, exactly. sheriff or something like that. Yeah, nobody's ever been voted out of office because of uh, they proposed and passed a new crime. Yeah. So if you're a politician, and that's a that's an easy way to show that you went to wherever and you did something. And it's also much easier to deal with sort of identity politics than actual, you know, be, being a member of uh, government and, and doing something that is reasonable. Basically, they should just be nerds in charge of the pocketbook, right? And start in charge of our checkbook, and they should just try to get the numbers right. But they waste their time with all of these super, like, you know, immersive, uh, very... Uh, in the lives of every person sort of policy ideas. What do you think about that as far as um, identity politics and, and where we're going? Because the Democrats, you know, times have changed now as opposed to, you know, uh, w. Bush, where he ran on a platform of banning gay marriage, going to the Supreme Court, you know, writing the con- writing it in the Constitution. Um, you know, now we have Obama, obviously, in the second term, openly pro-gay marriage, and tides have sort of turned with that. So what do you think is a way... Um, where politicians can sort of get out of this kind of identity politics game and just like back to the things that actually matter that will make our government run the way that a a government should run? I think it comes down to people being involved and people being vocal. I think that's where the the pressure has to come from the people. Um, The reason we have ridiculous laws about baggy pants being passed in Oklahoma and wherever is because... A group of people called their local city council and demanded action right. about this plague of baggy pants sweeping the nation right. and, and put pressure on the, on the politicians. And the politicians weren't feeling enough countervailing pressure right. that, that made them realize, yeah, that's not it. You know, that's not what I should be doing. And obviously, like, baggy pants, the banning of bagging pants, it's not really about the baggy pants, right? Like, it's not really about wearing a dress. It's about the association. Black people, you know, uh, Hispanic people, they tend to wear more baggy pants, right? And, like, with dresses, it's probably going to be most likely a, a gay dude wearing a dress. So it's more about that. It's more about the person behind the dress than it is the actual dress itself. That's right. You know, baggy pants never hurt anybody. Right, it's no, about, yeah. It's baggy pants people. don't kill people. Right. People <laughs> it's about, people. The, you know, a, a, show, a way of showing disapproval of people who wear baggy pants or people who, you know, males who wear dresses or women who wear um, masculine, traditionally masculine clothing, uh, you know, just to make their lives a little harder. Right. Uh, so, I mean, is there any way to to sort of curb that, you know, this, because it's just a, like baggy pants, you know, again, it just means so much more than actual baggy pants. Yes. Um, is there a way to like um, sort of cut through the facade that this, is, that this is about apparel as opposed to what it's actually about, which is, you know, just a myriad of other reasons, whether it be racial or whether it be, you know, class or economic reasons? I mean, how do you, like, how do you... You know, you have a baggy pants law, but you know it's not about baggy pants. How do you go about 
uh, informing people about that. Right. Well, unfortunately, and I say this as a lawyer who brings these lawsuits, it, it's often necessary to bring a lawsuit. And yeah. you have to you know, bring that law and the people that wrote it into court and right. make them explain to a judge why this law is necessary. What does this law accomplish? Um, and and when, that's, you know, that's often what it takes. And uh, do you have an example of somebody, like, once they start to explain whatever law they've, uh, you know, created with their other um, city councilmen, have you ever had an experience where they're just, like, realizing that, oh, yeah, no, this is an extremely difficult and dumb law to, uh, to make seem intelligent, and uh, I'm sorry, Judge, I'm just going to bow out here. Have you, have you ever broken anybody in, in the courtroom? I've had the experience of the, of the judge breaking somebody uh, you know, and and not even with words, but with a, just a withering look. Uh, <laughs> the, the person trying to explain um, why a particular law was necessary or what a law was supposed to accomplish, and the judge, um, you know, giving them one of those special judge looks that they train them for in judge school. Yeah, uh, yeah. That made made the witness and everybody else in the courtroom realize that the case was over. That's possibly the only class I could pass in judge school. Judge that school. I think it's because words. I call it judge school. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. So, so you would say um, the number one problem right now with the legal system, too many dumb laws clogging up all of the courts. Um, but then also at the same time, you, you also bring lawsuits for yourself. So how do you, do you feel like by you bringing lawsuits and slowly getting rid of these laws, you are... Uh, you're slowly, hopefully, putting yourself out of business. Hopefully, that's the hope. That you know, the the goal of every ACLU lawyer is yeah. that we're going to eventually be totally unnecessary, and we can move on to tending bar or <laughs> juggling at kids' birthday parties or something. You know, where we're able to provide more direct service to the human the human race. Yeah, those are my career aspirations uh, completely. Tending bar or juggling uh, some sticks for kids. Right. That'd be pretty perfect. <laughs> All right, well, that was that. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we will be back, I don't know, very soon. Very soon. Very soon, with more Top Hat for you. All right, guys, uh, talk to you soon. Goodbye. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.